Hello and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the show where we bring you tips, tricks and techniques that we wish we knew as young songwriters. On this show, we focus on interviews, we focus on resources, subjects you're going to find useful and you can go home and you can use them today. So thank you so much for listening and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about our very special, very kind guest who's moving house tomorrow, but she still decided she's going to uphold this meeting, which is a lesson to all of you. So she comes from a small town in the Netherlands, but she's hustled and finessed her way to 300 million streams, people, as an artist and as a songwriter. As you know, this show is not all about streams, but that is such an achievement. And just take a moment to get your head around that because that is serious. So she started out wanting to be Hayley Williams, like the rest of us. We've all wanted to be in those pop punk bands and rock bands. But she's since gone on to work with Ryan Lewis, Skrillex, Hardwell, and to name three of no doubt hundreds you would have heard of. Number one album on the Billboard charts. She's part of that kind of project. She's had an award as well in her home country for her contribution to music. A bit of a songwriting sorceress, if you can put it. A good friend of ours. Also, Ed Graves recommended Yantina for the podcast. And I'm, I just know, we've had a little chat before, I know she's got so much to offer. So everyone, please welcome to the show, Yantina. Ooh. How you doing? Welcome. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me and also for your kind words, obviously. Oh, too much, too not much. Kind words. They're facts. That's mm. the thing. They're facts, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, I think just we'll take a second because it is really, really impressive. And to amass that much not only in terms of streams, but in terms of work, because that's that's on that's over a huge number of songs and, mm-hmm. and projects. And people people need to listen today. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> people need to listen to what you got to say. So, as people that know the show will know, we're going to do song of the week. Yantina's also brought her own along. So, I'm going to kick off the little song called Stockholm Syndrome. Mm. You might know it, Yantina. Yeah, I heard of it. <laughs> so, I want you guys to check it out because. There's a few really clever things that I liked. So first of all, in that first verse, there's a really good use of trading space. What I like to call, you know, trading space is using small ad libs between those melodic phrases to keep people interested. I think that's such a nice use of that in her first verse. And then you'll also hear the pre kind of drops out the production. So you've got a really nice contrast again in the melodic phrases. You've got really effective use of rises and production, I thought, to highlight her pre-chorus lyrics and hook. So the hook is awesome. You'll hear it. Please go and check it out. But my favorite part, I thought, was the middle eight, the bridge. And it was a really nice use of harmonic development. What I mean by that is, is adding harmonies and ad-libs and stacks and little production turns because she's repeating a wonderful lyrical hook and a great melody. But when you hear it again, you're rewarding people because you're adding in a little extra thing for people to hear. So I love that. And of course, really nice, really nice hook. And people need to check out the lyrics as well. So awesome Thank song. you. Awesome song. <laughs> and that's so great to hear. Thank you. I really like the middle eight too. I always like my bridges. Yeah, but you put a lot of thought into it. And I think that's um that's key and it comes across because a lot of people kind of half ass it, if you will. So I believe you brought a song for us, Yantina. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. So it is my favorite song of all time by my favorite band of Go all time. It. And it's quite a contrast to what I do myself. <laughs> But um, it's, yeah, yeah, it's my favorite. So it's uh, Weeping Willow oh, by The Verve. Nice. 
The Verve, obviously, brilliant yeah. band. Richard Ashcroft is a mastermind, one of the greatest ever, if you ask me, songwriting-wise, vocalist-wise, but also presence-wise. Obviously, very troubled, heavy mind, mm. struggles with depression, with manic depression, with all sorts of things. And that song, really, it's really, it's a really heavy song, but it really, I really feel like that song has an emotion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's that exactly right. So the song ha has an emotion that I can you know, recognizing myself sometimes, not as much anymore, luckily, because I've been, I've grown kind of out of mm. it. But the darkness in that song and the way it's been expressed in a beautiful, melancholic way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing to me. Thank Very you. Cool. Well done as well. I love that you didn't nerd out on music. You just went for the real visceral emotion. I think that's super important for people. Yeah, that's why it's my favorite song. It is about the emotion. Obviously, People have been analyzing Richard Ashcroft's lyrics because <laughs> uh, sometimes it's quite ambiguous. You don't really know what it's about. This one's probably most likely about depression and suicide, which is really, really heavy. Yeah. And then someone else, I think it must have been a big stoner, is like, no, nah, it's about climate change, <laughs> about how, how, you know, we waste our planet. But it's literally, it is a cry for help, I believe. Um, very graphic. But a cry for help. And we all feel like that sometimes. We need a little help. And yeah, and I think when, whenever I was in those depths, I really felt like he listened to, to me. And I think people that struggle That's themselves so cool. can really relate and really feel like they're not alone. And I think songs like that, even though they're heavy, maybe they're not the biggest radio hits, they have so much function in our society for anyone that struggles. Preach. <laughs> really? Like, I mean... Nailed it, because I, 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 we are going to come back to that topic. So thank you for bringing that up. 300 million streams, struggled with depression, dealt with it. People listen up. <laughs> thank you for that. Awesome. <laughs> Callum, what have you got for us, mate? This week, I've got something a little bit different. Mm. My song is the Jurassic Park theme song. <laughs> yeah. So this is Nostalgia Lane for me. And it works a little bit like a pop song in that it's so keen to get our attention. And it builds around this main theme... <laughs> each a little bit like a chorus and a new element is slowly introduced every time this theme comes around and for me it's just how a legend uses melody without lyrics to hold our attention so jurassic park theme john williams the king one yeah. of the kings definitely it charted billboard actually I just actually you... oh no oh okay. no oops no that's that's some of his other works isn't that amazing though yeah. He, he just does what he wants. Like, so if, if anyone out here is 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 into John Williams, then that's the man to learn from. And if you're into, again, mm. like Callum said, it doesn't have to be just restricted to what you might call classic structure. Or, but there's a lot of tricks and tips that you can use to make your symphony, your music, absolutely bang. So, oh yeah, Yantina, yeah, we're going to kick it into breaking into your skull and pulling out all the gold. If that's all right. Yep. If there's any. And I'll, I'll gladly give it to you. Is there. So we like to start out quite simple in this show, but what would be your best advice for a young songwriter? Collaborate, mm. I think. Yeah. Not, not I think, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 yeah. that is my best advice. I, uh, I always used to write by myself, and I think that's naturally how you start out. And also songwriting is a very personal and very scary process sometimes. And I think 
it can be hard to share that with people. And obviously it has, it has to be the right people as well. Yeah. But yeah. I've learned ev- yeah, so, so much from working together. And how do you it's choose the right thing. people in your experience? You just have to experience it. Because <laughs> even though, I mean, I've, I've got friends that I really, really admire so much and they're great and they're very successful, but I don't particularly think we're writing together very well. So yeah. it's not even about if someone's successful or not, or it's about the, the emotion and the vibe you get with each other. And um, if you get a good one, then that's so valuable because it's sometimes so hard to be your own sounding board. So if you have someone that you completely and fully trust next to you, yeah, they can be your sounding board and you can be theirs. And that's, that's amazing. It's more efficient, right, as well, at a baseline. Mm-hmm. It's more enjoyable for you as well. Yeah, because, now, I mean, although, you know, sometimes I do write by myself and it's kind of, you know, sometimes it's kind of fun. It's laptop on lap, no social life at, at the same time. But then again, with someone like Ed, um, who Ed I am Grace, lucky, yeah. yeah, Ed Grace, who I'm lucky to be in a long-term working relationship with. Um, yeah, it's not like I have to try my best to be be nice or anything. I'm just myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's so a really good he. point if we could touch on it, because you guys have, again, I hate to use the word efficiency with songwriting, but like you said, you're wasting less time in being overly nice and you can really focus on a project mm-hmm. is that what you have with him yeah <laughs> yeah and we're both we both just say how it is and i think we're just a really good match and, and that's just i'm really grateful for that and obviously there's more people that i love working with a few in los angeles a few in south korea a few in the netherlands um okay let's go through all of those right so <laughs> we know ed graves bath Raymond yeah Studios. you know i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward yes. to it. um but Korea, talk about Korea, because you've yeah. had some some success there, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, unexpectedly. So it's not like I've, I mean, I used to be an emo kid, obviously. <laughs> and I do remember that at that time, like emo kids also sometimes were really into Korea and Japan. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Always. It's very seen. So K-pop, I mean, I knew about it, but it wasn't like I, I ever heard a song or anything. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my friend Justin O, oh, also a legend, very kind guy, an amazing producer, really good. He uh, emailed me on my old Hotmail address or something, yeah, right, like yeah. years ago. He's like, yeah, I heard your work with, I think, Hardwell or whatever. Nice. And, he, and he said, yeah, can you top line this for me? And I don't know, the listeners probably know what top lining is. But yeah, well, the thing is, yeah. because I, I wanted to encourage you, please, because it's really helpful for people. I think people know, but what would be your explanation of top lining to help? Top lining, you get an instrumental and you try to make a fucking great song on top. <laughs> and I mean, sometimes it's a weird process. Sometimes it's an amazing process. But with Justin, it's always amazing. So he sent me a track and I wrote a top line. And then these these two huge k-pop stars ended up singing it and i had no idea so we had two members from the girl group fx and then that opened doors and then i met an a and r from a big label in korea sm entertainment in amsterdam showed her around a bit with no intentions really and then she invited me to to come over to korea and write with skrillex so sometimes that's just a a weird chain of events um so yeah i've I've worked with him there was awesome got you know great cuts out of that with big bands and yeah i've always been kind of doing a little bit of it and right now i'm working closely with monster x 
Yeah, and yeah, it's because yeah. Justin knows them, and yeah, we kind of yeah we're working on uh, something exciting for them at you're the minute. Okay. So yeah, people, you're <laughs> listening to Living the Dream, and you're hearing Yantina by the way, because this is what no. people want to do if they're hearing the show. They might have different goals and stuff, but what you're doing is uh, it's awesome. So thank you for sharing that as well. Yeah. So that's oh, yeah, Korea, guys. No, I'm kidding. So talk yes, about Korea. <laughs> talk about LA. Who do you love going to Los Angeles? Who do you love working with over there? And how did you meet them? So okay. Three questions. I'll remember them all. Even though <laughs> Don't worry, I'll love I them, might yeah. be an undiagnosed ADD or who knows, but I'll try. I'll try to remember. But um, That's me. yeah, <laughs> aren't I mean, aren't we all in a way? But so my first LA trip was literally was a dream. I um, was signed to my old publisher, and I mean it was always the, the top of my list. I was like, if I went to LA to write, life is complete. That that but that was when I was really young because. A lot of music I love is from California and the whole skate scene, the whole surf scene, everything I, absolutely, I find absolutely. fucking cool is from there. So, yeah, going there was amazing. Um, I was picked up by Rock Mafia. They, they did a lot of Selena Gomez stuff and just a lot of big things. Nice. God, I'm always quite bad at knowing other people's discography sometimes. But now you're focused. Yeah, that was awesome. And I, yeah, I wrote there and... Obviously, they took me in. I was in their studios for a week, met a bunch of people. And another pe- person I met on that trip is Andrew Goldstein. And I've been working with him for cool, over yeah. the years, actually. So every time I'm in LA, I work with him. And I'm so grateful because, I mean, if you're talking about me being successful, well, this is another fucking another story. Levels, right? yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like, you know. He he does all the Black Bear stuff, all-time all low. Lately, he's been doing... I think he basically did all the Laney songs on the new album. Oh, don't talk about Laney, I'll cry. Yeah, I know, oh, same. Literally, literally. But yeah, Andrew basically wrote all the, all the songs that I love. And I'm also always major, majorly song crushing on him. So he's like my song, my, definitely my songwriting crush. That is so cool. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, would you see him as somewhat of a mentor as well because of what he's done? So do you learn a lot or are you guys more on a kind of level? Yeah. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I don't really think about that. Obviously, he is a, above me in terms of, of success. Uh, no, but you don't. But yeah, I mean, like he that, wants to work good. with me. He wants to work with me for a reason, I think, because uh, he likes it. Yeah, so well I just roll with it. And I think, yeah, I just I kind of roll with everything anyway. And hence, I ended up in Korea and other strange countries. No, not strange, but other countries. <laughs> and I just, yeah. And through him, I met Brooke Tomlinson. And she is an absolute angel. Love working with her. We work a lot over Zoom, actually. So yes. um, she's one well, of my frequent collaborators. That's, that's a question for later. I know I've asked you three, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Zoom. Um, what, what will people know her for? Or what kind of stuff would people Gosh. know her for? Well, she's done, she's done a few cool EDM things. Um, she also does a lot of pop stuff. But honestly, I okay. couldn't tell you. Don't worry. But, but she signed to Cobalt and it's going really Oof. well. And yeah. I, I just love her. So I don't... That's the thing, you know, I don't really care what she has done. Does. And with Andrew, it's obvious because she can't really like, you know, it's so big that you you must know. But yeah, she probably doesn't really know my cuts either, but we just love working mm. with each other. That's so well said. That's really well said. Because like I said, the show isn't about necessarily, I was just saying to Callum, it's not about what people have done. It's how you do it and how you go about it. That's what Mm-mm. people can learn and how you approach it. And you mentioned All Time Low. Again, Ugh. huge huge fan myself oh um, yeah yeah i used to go watch alex and just like just just dream Ugh. out the front um but you mentioned oh, yeah. mm-hmm. 
How I did get you get that. your stuff? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, let's have a little little romance on it. Mm. Um, extremely incredible musician, professional, very intelligent guy. But you got your start playing in the band, am I right? Yeah. And yeah. and how did that bring you to being a songwriter? So I think I was a songwriter before I started my band. Uh, so I started. I wrote my first song when I was eleven, so really young. And you remember uh, it, right? Yeah, I remember it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's called the dark in <laughs> the dark inside me. I was already listening Do to remember a lot how of, it went? like emo metal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you sing it for us? Oh God, okay. It's like you're locking me up in the dark inside me. Never mind, I'm never gonna make it anyway. Something like yeah. that. Like it's super. I mean, the English Simple. is also not not go. great, but that was me at eleven. Like how That's weird. ten thousand hours like, ago. Yes, I think. Oh, more. Those <laughs> people, right? That's that the quality yeah. you're working with. And I remember, and I remember saying, just using you know, an English dictionary and be like, oh, I'm getting to do. But yeah. Um, so that's when was, it started. Yeah. yeah. How, how was that challenge as well? Sorry. When did you start picking? Was it English parallel? Because I know in, in the Netherlands, you guys learn quite young. Mm-hmm. But how much of your time are you spending writing in, in English compared to, to Dutch? Oh, English. Oh, English, mm. always. The only way I wrote in Dutch was my poetry and I wrote I was writing a book when I was a kid as well uh so I was yeah I I always loved even though I'm slightly possibly dyslexic I am I love language or the the art of language let's just put it that way the best of us are don't worry (laughs) (laughs) yes it's a bit of but it's so cool for people to hear that by the way you know starting out clearly we'll talk a little bit later kind of a middle segment will be about mental health and difficulties but yeah starting out with those difficulties starting out in another language and but you're just using your creativity and you're working really hard have you always mm-hmm. been someone that's worked hard yeah yeah too hard sometimes but i also am a person that gets caught up in details so i wouldn't say i'm the most efficient sometimes <laughs> but i'm always working mm. so it's like you know i could spend hours editing a vocal which is probably fine so it's yeah. not like I, I am a machine and i know exactly what i'm doing and uh but yeah i am very um i i i don't mind a bit of labor on things and i uh definitely think i came where i came or got where i got through hard work um yeah the people we've again ed is a good example um mm-hmm. He went out to LA, went out to, to, to Berkeley and like yourself, you know, you're willing to open that email, give it a go, go mm-hmm. to Korea, go to LA, do those Always things. Always go everywhere. Um, yeah. And I, I wanted to, I wanted a question because at the end of Ed's interview, much like you, he wanted to kind of keep it free flowing, but he talked about something that just like gobsmacked me. I was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. I need to meet Yantin. I need to ask you this question, but apparently you write everything in your head so yeah in terms of melody you're not like ed and i who just like sing a melody bang it out loads how do you go about writing melody can you <laughs> bring people into your head so they can understand it from your perspective please yeah okay i'll try um so i, I will talk about my my process of please my recent process because i mean obviously it was different when i started out songwriting but um pretend you're I've, in a session with ed Oh yeah. Oh, now okay. Then I'll just mm-hmm. sit and kind of I, I listen to your vibe. Ed normally starts with the vibe. Yeah. And then I I can you know it's as if I hear music that's already written, mm. but then it's new. So 
I'm just trying to think, like, what do I want to hear? And the only reason, I mean, the only way you can listen to what you want to hear is when it's quiet, when there's nothing. Because otherwise you're blocking yourself. At least that's how I feel. If I'm jamming too much, it just blocks my, my so, perception. So you're more like, instead of kind of working it out as you sing, you're kind of going, right, let me get this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Ed sometimes puts me on the spot. He's like, yeah, hear the mic, just jam. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> good, good stuff can come mm. out. Of course. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm more of a thinker and more of an introvert with that, I guess. But then again, if I w- I'm working together, I try to jam a bit more because then obviously, you know, <laughs> it's a bit. Is that, is that for kind of other people's benefit? So they know you're kind of going with it. You know, do you think if you just focused introverted on Yantina, would you work faster or more efficiently or you know would you prefer that no i don't know i think with someone like ed he knows what i'm doing i know what he's doing so we don't there's no discussion but like the last two days where they are with an artist in the studio and then obviously but then i still kind of do the same i kind of draw that melody out even by the really soft singing or in my head and then i kind of present the idea more so that's sometimes yeah sometimes ed hears me and then he turns it down, but I'm definitely not someone that's gonna riff in the vocal booth or something. And yeah. when I first got to LA, I was in a session and I did that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so not how do I am I supposed to work like that?" But then I just thought, okay, everyone has their preferred way. What did you do then? So for people that need to picture it, you know, you've got a vocal booth, you've got a producer, you've probably got a couple of writers. There's Yantina sitting in the corner channeling her magic. And there's probably someone in the booth just just giving it a go and, and writing melodies, writing lyrics. So did you wait or did you kind of critique what they said or work with it? How did you go about it? I, I love shaping something that's there as well. So mm. I can kind of pick things and, and kind of shape that. So sometimes a singer does that and then I kind of take things that I think, oh, they're really cool and then kind of put my take on it almost. Yeah. So you're happy to be that editor as well as opposed oh, yeah, to just creating? Yeah. Yeah, every session is slightly different, doesn't it? But yeah, you, t- you take different roles. And if you wouldn't exactly. mind as well, like we like to talk about the editor and the creator or the, or the critic and the artist. You know, when you're writing, mm-hmm. how do you go about it? Do you like to create and then come back and rework? Or are you doing that all at the same time, like a spinning door? I think all at the same time. Sometimes, though, it's like, okay, let's go back to this lyric. Because especially lyrics can take time. Mm. And also, that's one thing I don't like about jamming, uh, is that if you don't know the subject or your song title or your chorus, even yeah. like, what's the point? And because <laughs> melody to me, but that's 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 how I feel. Melodies without lyrics are just little doodles. They're not connected, are you? They're not. They're not bringing mm-hmm. people in emotionally. I mean, it can be. Some people love to write like that, but if I'm going to jam, all that happens in my head's like, what's this concept? Well, how can we nail this chorus? And then at the same time, I'm singing melodies. Like, what the hell? So yeah, I definitely think, yeah, I'd like to sit back a bit and nail it, tie that's, it in. That's really cool, though. I think people listening, that's really important to hear because two reasons. First of all, there's another way you can go and approach melody. But also, secondly, if you are more quiet, you're introverted. We've said how successful Yantina has been and she's doing it her way. So you don't need to panda to you know if everyone else is getting up and shouting in the front of the room take your time oh yeah because uh, there's a great little story i want to insert you probably already know it but the song the middle that zed released and gray produced and monsters and strangers 
The story was Monsters and Strangers, you know, three or four producers were working on a track and there was Sarah Ahrens in the background, a very quiet, small, diminutive Australian writer. And they were looking at her going, what's she doing by there? You know, is she working? And then she comes out with her idea, similar to Yantina. She's thought about it. She's put it out. She's mumbled her ideas, right, I'm ready. And then boom, she comes out and... You're ready, boom. present. One of the biggest songs we've had, you know, in the last couple of years, undoubtedly. So that's all you need to do, people. Be yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind as well, because I think... I don't mind anything. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> You're like, Ed, that's why we love these people. But I'd like to talk about... I'm going to call it mental health matters Mm -hmm. because there's a meaning of it. It's important, but also if you wouldn't mind at what point in your career, if you have any examples or any kind of situations, when did it get really hard and how did it affect you personally? I think throughout it's always been hard. Um, Being a songwriter is just a struggle. You have to accept that, that, you know, (laughs) Uh, but it's yeah. fun enough to to be worth it. But um, I think when I was younger, I was very unstable and um, quite lost. So in a way, I was quite a difficult person to work with, I think. Quite fiery, quite snappy in my mm. band as well, to my band members. And yeah, quite, quite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was really strict. I didn't understand if someone didn't do their didn't have their shit in order and i wasn't the greatest person to work with i don't think because i was working so hard and i just just couldn't relate to anyone that wouldn't and um obviously now i calmed down a bit but so that was at the start of my career i think um then also insecurities can be really detrimental because every idea counts every everyone's voice counts and I think in the first sessions, but that's natural, I guess. I, I was kind of in really anxious. My first writing camp, well, my heart was beating in my, in my throat. Like I, I couldn't, I found it really, really anxiety inducing. Um, but then I got used to it. I kind of found my flow and now, and obviously now I don't care anymore. I, I just like it. Uh, yeah, but, and there was another point in my career that was really hard. That was when I was signed to my uh, last publisher and what what were their name you don't have to name them but downtown music publishing oh yeah ryan tedders right He's yeah not anymore was. he was yeah, i sorry, think he yeah, went yeah. he went to sony music because my friend signed to him and yeah whatever yeah uh yeah and they sold their catalog to concord anyway it's kind of a, sh- a little bit of a, of a shitter that but yeah i mean <laughs> the publishing landscape changes so so rapidly yeah, sometimes yeah. um basically I kind of wanted to leave because I was stuck there because because I didn't have money. I would sometimes get an advance in between, but that obviously kept me in a contract as well. Yeah, um, I was kind of over it. My old A&R, I mean, his heart's in the right place, but I just didn't didn't feel it. Um, he would send some emails that were rather like I, I, f- I felt a bit embarrassed sometimes, and he said some weird shit. And then at one point, I got in a lawsuit or almost lawsuit. How? With a lab- with a label, but I basically released a track without my permission, and I did production work on it. And I called mm-hmm. them out after, and I was like, "Oh yeah, nice to know the tracks out and cool guys, but can we just get the paperwork and the and the production fee in order?" And then they reacted in a way that was just unacceptable, just saying like, "Ah, oh, who who the hell do you think you are with your so called production work?" And 
really wow. made me feel very little and small. How old time, were you at that point? Roughly? Um, 25. Five. That's a lot of pressure. On yeah. You. And I had a manager at the time that was very fiery. So it mm. was on, you know, I mean, we tried, <laughs> we tried to solve it in a civil way, but mm. they didn't want to. So all I could do is take the track down, which is the last resort. It's not what you want to do, but I had to do it. And then my publisher chose sides with the label. Very weird. Mm. And, um, well, weird, very, yeah. Whatever. It's a betrayal, isn't it? Very mean. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. It was a horrible situation. I felt so alone and so like David and Goliath. Mm. Um, yes, well said. Yeah. I, di- I didn't bow. I didn't. Uh, at one point they said, yeah, we, we, lost a ha- we lost half a million of income because of you and the takedown. We're going we're gonna to claim that money back on you. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. Then that luckily didn't happen. But this all kind of spiraled into this mental breakdown i had also i didn't have any money nothing Mm. and my publisher intentionally postponed some sync money i was still owing uh i owed from i think south korea uh, south america sorry Mm. and that was enough to recoup me so i was i would be out of my contract by march 2018 but then they said yeah we didn't get the money but the money was in the, the u.s office they did have it, but it was it was such bullshit. But I did it on purpose, and so I there wow. I was a year. A, I had to stay a year longer. N- no money. I was literally paying my rent with my credit card, hoping I would get enough money in to to pay that. It was it was a really hard time. So that's not too long ago, actually. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, at one point with my lawyer, uh, I got out of it. And I was publishing free for a few months and then I signed to Sony Music and then everything went way better and I'm so happy now. And, but that was a really hard time. And also I think my relationship ended around the same time. So it was like, wow. I, was, I was really at the bottom. Yeah. I've never been that low. And that's, it's quite recent actually when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got, you got nowhere else to go, I guess, once you've hit the bottom. <laughs> Your only, only way is up. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I think, why would I quit? I had so many great things on my resume already. And I just knew like, I'm not going to let people talk, talk me down or belittle me. Because I, I am, even though I am a very emotional person, I'm very determined as well. I was just like, fuck you all. Mm. And the middle finger, I'll tell you this, is the best thing you can do. I remember my, my, my ex from years and years ago he said because yeah. his sing the singer of his band wasn't accepted in concert in the, in the music uni so he said to me well you'll never get accepted mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> i was mind you i was 16 he was 25 great situation nice guy. yeah yeah it was a great great youth <laughs> <laughs> no, no, great teenage years but he uh but all i thought then was mm, you'll see mm. you'll fucking see and yeah that's how yeah. i work Always has been. So that, that really helped yeah. me. Yeah. So I'm not giving think, up. Again, that's really important for people to hear because even amongst what a lot of us would perceive to be the promised land or achievement, that being a publishing deal, having advance and, and having success with a huge company, you could also be under a huge amount of pressure to a point where, like you said, you can have a breakdown. Yeah, um, absolute breakdown. Yeah. You said, I remember you chatted to me before, but 
you had Sony, is that right? You were having kind of dinner and lunches with Sony during this really difficult time and yeah. you knew where you wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But you had to wait, is that right? For like a year yeah. or something? Yeah, but then I got out earlier. That that kind of yeah. But I've 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 been dining with uh Sony <laughs> like over the years over the years anyway just to catch up and to see where it's at but every time I had to kind of disappoint them and say like yeah yeah I mean I'm, I'm st- still stuck there and and how did you cultivate that relationship with Sony yeah it's just through I think through someone I worked with at one point and you know it's a small industry in the Netherlands so yeah you yeah. just get to know each other and uh, I mean, everyone kind of knows each other. If you de- did anything relevant, people will know you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything. <laughs> but yeah, I think Niels really uh, used the managing director of the of the Netherlands office. He really helped me as well because he always was really nice and, and quite and believed in me. And even yeah. when after I left my old publisher, the A and R there started talking shit about me to the to Niels uh, of Sony. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. Even that, he was like, he told me, and he was like, oh, seriously? So he really has my back. <laughs> that's good. And I still believe there's a group of people that absolutely despises me there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have to live with yeah. it. I mean, I only stood up for myself. And they, they'll believe that the side of the story they heard from the director of that label. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, some artists also say that I know that are on there. Like, yeah, that's between them. I don't care. I work with you. Um, so actually... Recently, there's some records coming out on their label again. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of, but yeah, um, I don't intend stepping foot in that office or anything. Not at all. Mm. No, because you've got something, you've carved out something better for yourself yes. currently. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I know, again, I've got these all these inside sources now, but I know you're also working, pitching for other artists. Obviously, you're an artist yourself. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about the process of, how you write a song and then how you decide whether to to pitch it or whether to keep it yourself. Well, I'll be completely honest. I just Please. take the, I just take the leftovers that I think are really good. So when I have a song and I'm like, yes, this is amazing. I love it. It's my favorite thing ever. Yeah. And no one else wants it. Yeah. Then I'll just do it myself. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's too, is it too specific to you? I, mm-hmm. I, I read a little piece on you as well recently on um, music essentials, I think. And, is that right? Your recent record was like all the songs that was, were too personal for other people. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it's too... I remember also in those sessions, I really didn't think about any other artists either. And, and sometimes I don't. But yeah, I guess I was kind of subconsciously writing for myself, which I didn't, uh, good, didn't know good. at the time. Yeah. And then one of my really, really close friends, she um, basically kind of forced me into being an artist. She's like, you have to do this. These songs, the songs are there. Uh, she believes in me. So I was like, okay, because yeah. it's not easy for me. You do. Mm. Yeah. No, well done. It's brave as well. And when you, when you are pitching songs to other people, does that come into the writing process for you at all? Or are you just focusing on the idea? You know, do you ever know who your song is going for? Are you just, are you just in the room? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the brief as I work with artists themselves a lot as well, which is really, really nice because you, you can get instant feedback. Mm. Um, yes. But yeah, when I do K-pop things, obviously you really, they've, they're really clear on the, on the brief. So that's great. You know exactly what to do. Um, mm. And just for people that don't receive briefs as, op- as often as yourself, 
what are you seeing and how do you then go about it? For example, um, a K-pop brief coming from one of the houses. Yeah. Okay. So K-pop is quite, to me, is the exception, really. Uh, as in, and J-pop as well, but I don't do J-pop. Um, they're so specific. Like this BPM, this vocal range has to be in an F4 song references. Um, mm. Lyrics, not so much, but sometimes even like it has to kind of have this vibe, but then they get the translators in. Although Monster X does full English songs as mm. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's super specific. Well, sometimes you get, oh, new pop signee uh looking for great songs i mean <laughs> yeah. okay this is a really bad example but no, that but, actually could yeah, be I've a brief it. i've seen yeah. it so. because i've I, I had the privilege of seeing one of the large publishing houses in beijing sent out something and it said literally ah. you know da, 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 can only do this da, 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 this is the bpm here's the reference and then yeah. one song was like something like head and heart by mnek and oh yeah just like oh brilliant cheers yeah i'll go and work on that but yeah. there you go, people. You're going to have to be adaptable and determined, like young mm-hmm. Tina. What's your favorite thing about the writing process? The feeling when it comes together. Mm. You're like, hell yeah, this is, this is a song. Now, mainly like, especially lyrically for mm. me, because that, mm. that is the biggest thing for me, even though I love my melodies mm. as well. What, when, when everything makes sense at the end? When you're like, thing. yes. And that feeling is, is, is amazing. I love it. So There's nothing like it, really. Do you remember writing Stockholm Syndrome? And if so, can you tell us how you constructed that lyrical idea? Yeah, I had it, I had it in my head that I wanted to write a song called Stockholm Syndrome. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not the first, I realize. Also, Blink-182, which are <laughs> Great band. my second favorite band of all time. <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, obviously. So, but I just thought it would be cool, and then kind of take that metaphor, or well, that phenomenon, exactly. Yeah, project it on a relationship. Mm. Uh, it's boy, that's really bad for me. And and <laughs> I kind of met someone that really fitted that uh, complete mess. It wasn't he? Actually, was Swedish, so it kind of made all of it kind of mm. made okay. sense. <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect. And I was in Stockholm when I wrote it, so all of oh, it. My yeah. God. Mm. this is golden people carry on sorry yeah. yeah so i presented that idea in a session i was writing with oliver forsmark and um matilda thompson and oliver was doing the production and matilda she really liked the idea because I, I was kind of like could this be something and then yeah, yeah we just started writing and it was really fun <laughs> and and you offer kind of when you're coming into a session like that i'm assuming it's producer and two top liners in that case mm, yeah that is a nice setup i think and why do you like that kind of trio um, because you have that bouncing back and forth thing with mm. your uh, other songwriter or artist. Because uh, sometimes when you're just with the producer, and well, if it's me and Ed, it's fine because I, I feel comfortable. But sometimes producers just sit, turn around in their chair with yeah, their backs cheating. to you. Um, and I can't, that feels really weird to me. Or, although, you know, I'm also fine doing it by myself. That's okay. Um, but that, that feels a bit disjointed, d- disconnected. Although my first single, <laughs> I don't give a fuck, I wrote with Michael McEachin, who is a brilliant writer that lives in LA. And he um, wrote it in LA mm-hmm. with him. And he, is, he produced the session, but he, it was a very basic production. So we literally sat next to each other, kind of chatting and kind of. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's great too. It really depends. 
Uh, but yeah, three is nice. Yeah, three is nice. Four. That's when I get a bit. I don't like four. Mm. <laughs> Not really, unless the artist is. It's one one of Missy artists, and they aren't a very experienced writer. Yes, it's gonna say because then it's almost three again, right? Mm-hmm. If that artist isn't, yeah, and that's great. But sometimes, yeah, but if, and five something like unless you're working with a band. Then it's fine again. <laughs> because but, then again, it's probably two or three because one of them will produce, one of them will be the singer, and then you're the kind of consultant. Yeah, so really, exactly. You love the three. Yeah, the three is great. The Trinity. <laughs> the Trinity. That's a much better word than what other people will be thinking. Um, but that's that's really cool to hear as well because it's <laughs> different dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you quite a simple question, but I'm interested as to what you say. Speaking about when you have an idea together, you get that great feeling of okay, cool, the song's finished. But for you, how do you know it's a great song compared to just a good one? Intuition, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's wrong a lot of times as well, because sometimes <laughs> I sub- submit a song for something and then the artists love, the one, people we pitched it to love it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I thought it was average, really. The, yeah. And then the songs I love, no one wants, and then you I release just release yourself. it myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. And what do you think makes a great chorus? Ah, uh, simplicity sometimes. But then I, I in the, initially, I instantly I thought simplicity. But then I started mm. arguing that already in my head. It's like yeah, but there's songs that are not. Mm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it has to be very clear. That's great good. lyrics, great lyrics make a great mm. chorus. I mean, but then again, you have the head and hearts of the planet, which are great songs as well. And then they don't have any lyrics. Very good. But that's what we like to call like subverting, isn't it? When everyone yeah. else is going one way, you clearly really effectively go the other way. And yeah. Same way you kind of drop choruses, attention, Charlie Puth, that kind of thing. But yeah. great. for you, you know, who, what are some of your favorite choruses actually then? Can you think of any? I know we've already got you for one song today. Oh but. my God. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, well... Weeping Willow by the Verve is actually not a great example because it's more of a build track. I mean, there kind of is a verse part and a B part, but it's not very chorusy. Uh, great choruses. Mm. Take that back for good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I love that. But lyrically, that is 100%. Mm. And I think also, even with Head and Heart, you think there's no lyric there, and which there maybe isn't, but then. But he still says, my heart goes pum, pum, pum. So it's about the heartbeat. So still, well it's done. very smart. And I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a really that, good. If you look at the lyrics for Head and Heart, people, um, super, super well-written mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Don't be a isn't that. it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Giving you a big question there. Oh, God. Yeah. I love, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, you go ahead, because this, this, rab- this is a rabbit hole. <laughs> so going back to your studio sessions, like what's... What do you think is the cool, one of the coolest things that's happened to you in a studio? Mm. Oh, that's also a tricky one. I think overall feeling confident and mm. feeling that change par- that part of, of something. Because I think a lot of, of us are cool. quite of lost soul. We're quite lost souls, aren't we? And I think <laughs> yes. if you're <laughs> to feel really, yeah, to feel part of something is mm. really great. And if you're creating together, that feeling is indescribable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that I couldn't really, of course, there's great things that happened where you're like, oh my God, this is the best song I've ever written. I mean, that's, that's a great feeling too, definitely. <laughs> In the, uh, maybe that's the best feeling. But 
I wouldn't really answer this question with anything big that happened afterwards or anything. Do, do you know what I mean? It's because that's in a way re- re- irrelevant at that time. Mm. And I had sessions with really big people, but some of them were awful mm. as well. So, you know, it's Can not about the people. What, not necessarily who or what was awful about it, but what makes a bad session for you, for people to be able to try and avoid that? What makes a bad session? Mm, okay, I'll, I'll just sing to the last. Mm, yeah, I think if you're, people are not really open to yeah. ideas, but then again, maybe I'm stubborn too. So, sorry, this is why I'm late sometimes with replying because I'm like thinking one thing and then I'm debating it in my no, head. But the brilliant thing is people want to hear both, Yantina. There's no right yeah. answers. People want to hear your own. And the fact that you are constantly <laughs> in argument with yourself is, is really cool for people to hear. Oh, yeah, and a bit scattered. But um, crazy like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. No, for sure. What was the question again? Uh, what makes a bad session? Oh, yeah, head, bad session. You remember it. Uh, I don't like... When someone shows up with a finished song and they're like, okay, let's do this today. Like, mm? mm. Aren't we supposed to sit here together and kind of feel each other's energies and do something with that? So I'm all about maybe a concept idea. Love it. Please bring that. But I don't like it when someone's like, oh, yeah, I wrote this on a train. Mm. And so, and then I'm like, okay, what, what am I going to do now? Am I going to shoot it down? Probably not. And then you're kind of forced into something mm. um, and then they might get into the arguments later when the manager goes well actually my client brought in oh yeah. Mm, yeah and that does play into your head right that's why you probably want a level playing field no no not at all mm. no i know what you mean though but for me it's more uh, i just don't vibe with that then mm. yeah oh it's, then, it's way... then you're literally like okay i'm not emotionally invested in this. Mm. yeah exactly because it didn't didn't happen right then right there through a great conversation or something you know because i I love that i love talking love getting to know each other (laughs) vibe talking about life and then you have an emotional aura in the room and then you can go so you want to be a part of it right yeah although it is also the way they present it because i've had times where it's like oh great this is awesome let's work with this it's (laughs) but i think actually thinking now that person in that particular example, was kind of <laughs> cocky anyway. I was so going to say, I'm sure I they didn't bring it in a way you wanted exactly. to Exactly. Maybe that's why. Because I don't really like people that sit in a room with the, with the aura or the, the allure that they're really cool or better than someone better. else. There you go. And I'll yeah. tell you right now, when I was in a room with Skrillex, he wasn't like that at all. Mm. And that says everything to me. Andrew Goldstein isn't like that at all. And if there's any two people that that can... They did all if, right. If, yeah, exactly. If anyone is allowed to have such an attitude, it's them maybe, but they don't have it. And I think it's just so unnecessary. Mm. Well said. Well said. Because we've been really lucky to have people consistently on this show, and you're just another example. Humble, hardworking, successful, and kind people. That's what we want to be working within in terms of music industry. So... Mm-hmm. And also, interestingly, what you said was in the same way that you're not necessarily really excited about a song getting really big, you're more interested in, okay, I really want to enjoy the session. In the same way that someone brings something before, you're like, no, I want to be a part of the idea. I want to have an interaction. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, because then it feels like something beautiful you create rather than work. And I think it's <laughs> yeah. also some sessions that I I... Had in the past that I didn't like. Also, session 
like what's a bad session for me is a session that's completely it's like a factory in in a, in a bad way because i do like it when it goes smooth in a, obviously in a bad way what do you mean a factory sorry people just thinking about what is catchy ah uh, so they think about the outcome instead of mm-hmm. and go rush through especially rush through lyrics and like i said i know people that do that and are very successful and they're they might be mm. better at many things than i am but it's just a personal preference it's um uh, yeah i just love kind of dwelling on it and and yeah. in terms of a time scale how long do you like to spend on lyrics generally i know it changes every time but how long do you like to sit with an idea during sessions like three hours three hours so if for example if you could hypothetically lay out a whole session with you and ed how long would that take and, and <laughs> oh. how's, how's it broken down apart from okay. the hanging out and playing badminton in the summer you told me about yeah yeah badminton uh apart from we always go through biz together because we have a lot of things going on but then we start ed kind of starts an idea i start jamming melodies a little bit in my head and uh also out loud and then i think okay what are we writing about and then we, we chat about that briefly then uh, chorus, lock in the chorus. Once you have the chorus, go probably go to the pre. I love writing backwards. So you um, write the chorus first? Always. This is cool. People need to hear this. Mm. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, because if you, you know, how many times, and, I, and I, this is a question for the listeners. I mean, I'm not saying I know it all, but how many times do you have a great first? Mm. You're like, yeah, pre-chorus, sick. And then chorus, mm. you just don't. And this is probably when you only have <laughs> melodies. We have great melodies and then you want a chorus melody and you're like, ooh. Uh, and then you just come up with something that isn't mm. great. And that is yes. just a sign because you're already closed off so much of the melody spectrum with your version pre-chorus that you can't you can't do the same. So you have to do something that's not there, that's not already there, which is just a shame. It means you're hindering your chorus process, which is the most important part important part of the song. Mm. Bang. So I think, I mean, and another way, I, I, a similar way I had that explained to me was that if you don't have your chorus sort of already there, you don't know what you're building towards. Exactly. Mm. Also, and lyrically, especially, what the hell? How can you write lyrics for a verse if you don't have a chorus? That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, I'm, you know, I'm sure people are really good at it, but you know, to me, that just doesn't work. I'm just sitting there like, yeah, totally. Yeah. What am I writing about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, to- I would agree with you in that even if I'm writing, okay, I might just write melody, but then I need to work. Okay. What am I trying to say here? What is Mm-mm. the, what we call the nut of the song, Ralph Murphy, or call it that you'll hear loads of different people talk about it, but listen up people. Yantina's nailing this. So <laughs> chorus, then you might find a pre. And then where yeah. do you go from there? Uh, probably first. Kind of roughly know what I'll talk about. Because sometimes I also like doing this, where I, where I have a pre... Obviously, lyric lyric and melody kind of come at the same time at that point, I think. Very cool. Um, then if the you verse, know what the idea is, this is really good practice. Exactly. Stuff. We'll break it down again after the interview for people, but really good. Carry on, sorry. Yeah, so if you know... and Indeed, if you know, because sometimes... And also even, oh, sorry, I'm going from every, go for it, go I'm for all it. over, all over. But if you um, have the title or the concept before you start writing, you actually get, get different mm. ideas. Because sometimes you're like, um, okay, the first example that pops in my head is tr- uh, transparency. 
by Willow. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it's called Transparent Soul, doesn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. So, so her song's called Transparent. Uh, sorry, it's called Transparent sorry, Soul, and she yeah. probably had the transparent idea and was like, Transparency. And I'm like, ooh, you probably mm. wouldn't have thought of that because it's a bit odd if you didn't have the lyric. Mm. I don't know if this, ex- this, is, no, this maybe is this perfect. is a really Keep bad going. example. Keep going. Um, so the same. Sometimes when I'm approaching a verse, I'm like, okay, I know exactly kind of what I want to say. And sometimes I come up with that first and then start singing because you get different weirder melodies. Mm. Why would you box yourself in? Great. If you if there's so if you don't know what you're saying. So even though sometimes I sketch melodies, it's always open for adjustments. Because in the end, it's a, it's definitely at least 50-50, I think. I love this. This is, this is a masterclass, people, because you've brought a different perspective and you've explained it really mm. well. And okay, good. <laughs> I want to just latch on two things to see if you agree. But first of all, I remember Ed sent me all of his production ideas. And each of them had like a little name, like, you know, picking sides or you don't want me. And normally I'm a guy who just comes at it just completely naked, if you will. But as soon as, like you said, as soon as I saw those words, I'm like, right, I know what the chorus is going to be. And then yeah, these exactly. words come out and I'm like, okay, this is a really cool way to do it. Exactly. Language is inspiring. Mm. And, and it's emotion too. Although, I mean, yeah, sometimes instrumental music, one of my favorite things is Caspian. Um, it's his, um, yeah, progressive rock. No, no. I'm really bad at genre. No, well, you, you could say, because <laughs> for those of you guys, Yantina is being an incredible podcast host herself, and she's looking up stats, she's looking up songs. <laughs> she's ready. Yeah. I, I wonder what, 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 you, what, what you would call the genre. That's the thing. Oh yeah, of course, post rock. Yes, so it's instrumental. But when I listen to it, I get in all sorts of moods. It's amazing. Yes, I I had a friend who was like, he showed me instrumental rock, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. It's not because I I use lyrics and I barely hear anything Mm. else, especially when I was young. But I listened to the stuff. I was like, oh, hold on, because someone is taking up that melodic space with a beautiful lead line. I was like, so if you're an instrumental artist, this stuff also applies to you. You just happen not to be putting lyrics on necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then it's also about the phrasing of your melodies and it's mm. still a language in a way, of course. Of course. But yeah, Caspian is a really good example of... It can make me cry, always. It's really mm. good. Well, if it makes you cry, it's working, mm. right? And an interesting on, uh, note on this is, again, think about a film and a film without yeah. music, Yes, you know, but also film composers. Nothing. Yeah, you know, it would be it would be nothing for music is so useful in telling the story of a film or two, a scene. It's emotional language, isn't it? And I had another thing to say as well, that we like to talk about on this show, an element of writer's block can sometimes be people having too many options. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of it, like you said, if, if you're struggling and again, whether you agree with this, Yantina, if you're struggling, I always like to think of it as give your subconscious, your imagination that comes up with your ideas, feed it some lyrics, feed it something, feed it a world to play with, because then it knows what it needs to do. Does, mm-hmm. does that sit with you as well? Yeah. Yeah, I think writer's block, of course, it's horrible when you have it, but it's probably because you put too much pressure on yourself. Um, I remember I found it hard to write a song a week when I was in, in uni. 
And now it's like a song a week, but <laughs> nothing. So uh, you just have to find different ways to approach it. Because if you always do the same thing, you always jam out melodies first, for instance. Yeah, it just gets one big sausage of the same, I think. <laughs> one big sausage. So try of the to thing. approach it. Yeah, it's well, very. These, this, people got to listen up. That's a Dutch thing, I think. But yeah, approach it different ways. And also, sometimes what I do, if I really don't know, I kind of scroll through old songs that I love. And kind of think, what's the concept? How is it? How is the concept, mm. you know, mm. uh, refined in the song? And then I get inspiration from that as well. I don't That's copy so it, but no, yeah. it's because we like to we like to call it the inspiration meter. And a lot of people that are working have a really full one, like yourself. But what do you think you did? This is going to sound a bit business, but what do you think you did to go from one song a week to comfortably four or five? Do you remember anything about that? <laughs> I mean, also your career moves on and uh, you just have to. Because if you at yeah. one point, if you at one point decide to be a songwriter, yeah, you have to write a shitload mm. of songs. <laughs> do you think it's one a day for you right now when you're working? Can be, but I also do some post-production work and some and, and vocals. So I do do vocal production as well a lot of times. So uh, I would say, like, I have to say, <clears throat> in the last ten days, it's ten songs probably. So I'm a bit, wow. I'm a bit drained now. Although I'm also in, in the, I don't know. I met you're probably buzzing right again. Yeah, exactly. You get kind of get into a zone. Um, when you say drained, can you explain that for people? Just tired, physically just tired, wanna... and you kind of less yeah. of an interest in writing. Yeah, I just don't. My head's not there. Then so I noticed a- it in today's session, but then we still got a song, but it was harder work. Sometimes it's just harder <laughs> work. But you're not leaving this to chance, if I may say so, because you've got techniques that you use. You've got ways that you approach it. And- mm-hmm. But you have to rely on those. At one yeah. point, you're skilled enough to always come up with a decent song, unless something really weird happens. That is so exactly that's what- why we started the show. Yeah. Because we, exactly. we know everyone has a natural ability, we hope. The tools that Yantin has gone through today. Um, is there anything you haven't shared that you use as like a secret way to give yourself inspiration, or how do you fill up your meter again when you are feeling low, like you said, drained? It's also just pep talks. Like you can do this. You know you can do this. Trust your abilities. It's really important because um, writing block in my case is just not an option. It really mm. isn't. Yeah, well and seen. you also have to just accept that just as life, just as mood your moods or your emotions at least mine and probably yours as well <laughs> it's a, it is it's an up and down it's yeah. always writing um so i try to remember that yeah and remember you'll get it back even if you feel like you don't have it for a minute or you're repeating yourself it's only the natural course of things i think to find out more about us and to get in touch please head over to i wish i knew that pod on instagram and don't forget to join the conversation on our facebook community Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to IWishIKnewThatPod at gmail.com and we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode.